Welcome to episode 20 of the Denver Crux podcast. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Emma Wheeler. Emma is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach at Black Tie Jiu-Jitsu Centennial under the guidance of Professor Will. I can say with all my heart that the journey into jiu-jitsu has been life-changing. But more than that, the people who I've shared the journey with have made it all worth it. Welcome to the Denver Crux, a podcast dedicated to the Colorado climbing community and their passion for adventure and pushing the limits of the human spirit. All right, welcome to take two of this special edition of the Denver Crux podcast. Um, We got about 60 seconds in and... My uh, very, uh, very eclectic and interesting and curious dog decided that uh, he needed to uh, tippy-tap around the wood floors and go outside to chase a rabbit, and <laughs> now he's back, and I believe he's very comfortable in his luxurious beanbag chair. Oh my god, that sounds so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Anyway, take two. Um, I'm here with the mysterious, infamous, notorious, and dangerous Emma Wheeler. (laughs) She's somewhat of a local legend um, around the Denver metro area. And before we get too much into the lore behind Emma Wheeler... I'll let her go ahead and just introduce herself and just give you a quick rundown on who she is, and then we'll really get a nice deep dive. Emma, (laughs) on you. Oh gosh, how do I even follow that up now? Um, Wow, I feel like I need to put that in my LinkedIn bio. (laughs) Um, Hi guys, so if you don't know me, if you didn't catch my name, my name's Emma. Um, I trained with Hazel at one of the jiu-jitsu gyms up here in Centennial, and um, I've been training for about four years, and now I'm a kids coach, and I also just got promoted to blue belt, so yeah, I'm basically a big deal. You are a big deal. Oh shucks, yeah. I'm only 5'3", like physically, but on the inside, I'm like such a big deal. Yeah, you'll catch me coming, you know? You know what? It's all about, it's all about the the spirit animal that you are portraying. And oh, yeah. I'm a you, dragon. <laughs> you are a total BJJ beast. Oh, and so, shucks. I don't know about that, but we'll get there one day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, Emma's a very interesting character. I came across Emma day one at Black Tie Jiu-Jitsu. And between... Emma and the entire team over there, um, you guys are just, I don't know, I feel like there's certain jiu-jitsu gyms that kind of are, are training jiu-jitsu and, you know, teaching people just a great life skill and a very healthy fitness outlet. And then there are gyms like Black Tie that are just training ninja assassins (laughs) to go out into the middle of the night and choke people out oh yeah absolutely 
And I think there's a difference. There is a difference. There's a huge difference, yeah. And so, yeah, between Emma, um, Professor Will, and the, everyone, everyone over at Black Tie, um, it was just a very, very interesting experience. And, I mean, I'll kind of, you know, I won't steal your thunder, but I feel like we probably gravitated towards black tie for the same reasons um what was it what was it about black tie and maybe that entire team that really pulled you in like a magnet Mm, oh gosh i love talking about this i tell everyone this um and i'm sure i actually told you this on your first day when we interacted um because instead of like a sales pitch, it really does come from the heart when I see new people come in to Black Tie that they understand like what the community in Black Tie perceives it as. Um, what got me to kind of connect to it and you know be part of the Black Tie team, it, it was the instant feeling of friendship and care. Um, I had trained at a different gym previously to back t- to Black Tie. And it was good. It was fine. Um, you know, nothing against it. They're they're good people. Um, but there was just not a strong relationship with them. And there wasn't any kind of connection with jujitsu and me. Like, I, I just, I went to class. I did what I was supposed to do. Said goodbye to my people and I left. I And I had a, honestly, like, I had a hatred for jujitsu. I don't know why I was doing it. It wasn't giving me any satisfaction, but I didn't want to give up on it because I always quit everything. Um, So I was determined. And so when I came to Will, and it was an open mat. It wasn't like it was class. It wasn't like it was any kind of instruction. I just came to open mat. And um, as soon as I walked through the doors, you know, I'd previously emailed him like, hey, want to check out your gym? Is it okay if I stop by on Sunday? He responded, yeah, come in. You know, thinking it would just be a super simple, like, go ahead, have fun. As soon as I walked through the door, Will was like, you must be Emma. I was like, oh my God, you remember the girl that emailed you? Crazy. Immediately gave me a hug, got me to, you know, come meet everybody, introduce me to Coach Zach, introduce me to a bunch of the other people that were training there at the time and still train there. Um, And everyone had this kind of feeling where they just like approached you as if they had known you before. And it was very friendly and it was very caring and it was immediate acceptance, you know, and I was just a little white belt. I didn't know anything. I'd only been training for maybe six to eight months and I I felt pretty humbled as soon as I got on the mats with these guys. You know, I was the only girl at that open mat and, you know, you're rolling with these big dudes, these strong men and, um... They still, like, even though they humbled me, they still made me feel like I belonged there immediately. Like, it didn't it didn't take time to build relationships with these people. You know, as soon as the open mat was done, Will invited me to lunch with everyone, asked me, like, you know, conversation, like, asked me in a conversation about, like, what my life is like outside of jujitsu. And I think that's what makes Black Tie different, is Black Tie is super keen on training good jujitsu. It's very combative, it's very strong, it's very skilled, and it's also a little bit unorthodox. But at the same time, we also we also teach community. And we teach that down from our littles class of four-year-olds on teaching them how to be good partners all the way up to the adults class of, you know, hey, 
you're here to help each other learn. And the only way to do that is to show great respect to each other. And I think that's what I really love about black tie is it's, it's from the heart jujitsu. It's not from a curriculum. So (laughs) I feel the same way. Um, you know, and you know, before I started my jujitsu journey, it's, it's interesting how many different dynamics there are when it comes to choosing what type of jiu-jitsu practitioner do you want to be and where do you want to train. Um, and, you know, this podcast is historically a climbing podcast and I kind of correlate it to the climbing world too is one day you wake up, you decide that you want to climb, you know, and you kind of start to do a little bit of research and you start to kind of see all these things. There's people climbing inside gyms. There's people route climbing inside a gym. There's people route climbing outside. There's people bouldering inside. There's people bouldering outside. You know, there's people that are doing sport climbing, top rope heroes, trad, you know, there's all this different type of things. And Sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming in terms of where do I start? Where do I go? Mm -hmm. You know, who am I going to be? And I think about that from a jujitsu standpoint. Um, Even though, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm very new on this journey. Even now, I'm glad that I have at least somewhat of a baseline for where I want to take this journey itself and black tie was very interesting because like you um i was i was emailing will and you know he just you know even through the words of the email i feel like i could discern his smile you know and his just you know camaraderie you know and then you know you get in there and sure enough you know, there he is, just, you know, this badass dude ready to get after it and <laughs> yeah. take you under his wing. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's cool that he kind of fosters that environment and creates that among all the people there. I mean, it really is a true definition of a team. Mm-hmm. And I think most people, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if it's you know, whether it's the climbing community or any other activity or jujitsu, I think most people really appreciate a team aspect. You know, most people don't just want to go and do something and, okay, well, you know, we're going to do jujitsu for an hour and then, you know, that's it. I'll see you guys next week. I think if you can foster that camaraderie and build that true team and build that sense of family not to sound too cliche you know it's people that are sharing a passion that you share and for jujitsu i feel like it's a little bit more of a nuanced passion because it's hard to articulate right like you know if you're listening to this podcast and i'm trying to sell the sport of jujitsu it's it's kind of a hard sell right like oh hey do you want to uh you know do you want to you want to go ahead and put on a really uh, a really tight slippery shirt and uh, come inside this square padded room of mats and um, 
I'll go ahead and I'll get you in a in some sort of chokehold or some sort of joint lock and you know you'll feel this um, lack of oxygen and then you'll have to tap and then we'll do it all, all over again for an hour yeah it's not a sexy sport you can't yeah. you can't sell it like tennis <laughs> right it's very interesting but it's cool when you come across the people that do in fact they have embraced it and now you don't feel too alone you don't feel weird mm-hmm. you know like i try and explain this stuff to you know my friends like oh yeah you know it's that's yeah, re- really cool you know getting getting choked out and and just beat every day and you know again hard to articulate with words but when you do it oh man it's it's just the best and so again i feel like we shared a very similar experience you know coming into black tie with you know the coaches over there you know between will zach and you are a coach yourself and you were also extremely inviting and i think everyone that comes in there really really appreciates that you know because i can tell you that you know that is not the case at all gyms no it's not it's just not it's a rarity it's a huge rarity you don't see that with a lot of gyms a lot of gyms um, especially if they're commercial, um, which sounds sounds bad, and I don't want to talk bad on anyone's gym. If you're doing jujitsu and going out there, I'm proud of you regardless of where you train. But I think a lot of bigger name gyms have a lack of community and a lack of friendship and a lack of family. And it does sound very cliche, being like, oh, we're one big family, but you feel it. And I think everyone that has stepped through Black Tie's doors feels the same way that you and I do. They've had that moment, and I think that's why I enjoy being in the position that I'm in. Granted, my journey just started. Yeah, I'm four years in, but I'm just a baby blue belt. But I have the opportunity to meet people like you, and when you come in on your day one, I'm going to give you the same love and care that I got on my day one. You know, and I like passing that on. And a lot of people that, you know, come to open mats or decide, you know, maybe X, Y, and Z gym isn't meant for me like I want to find a smaller gym they come and feel what black tie is and realize like oh this is something special this is something different and I think that's the one up that we have you know you know like we were saying before the the concept of jujitsu is very hard to articulate very hard to explain the draw what what is the magnetism that you feel towards the sport itself you know when so many other people this would not be appealing what is it that has pulled you in and kept you sucked in and made it such a major part of your life Mm, you know it's that's a deep-rooted question um and it has a lot of answers to it you know um like honestly i like embracing the suck and I think I like doing jujitsu because, let, let me be clear, when I started jujitsu, I did not find it attractive at all. My first day, I was like, why is that person's socks off? Like, I hate feet. Why are we doing this? You know, and everyone's sweating on you and it's gross. Um, and you don't really understand why you're getting beat up. And you don't understand why you would do that to your body. Um, <laughs> but there was something about knowing that everyone is in the same position as you that I really liked. Um, And even though it's kind of like a a gritty sport in my mind, I enjoy it because it's a challenge. Um, I enjoy the fact that 
everyone is constantly learning regardless of where they're at with their jujitsu journey. You know, just because Will is our professor, just because he has his black belt, doesn't mean he's done learning jujitsu. It doesn't mean that he's crossed a finish line. None of that's true. Um, the biggest gravitational pull I have towards jujitsu, though, is the mental health benefit. Uh, I started in 2020 when COVID was hitting us hard. You know, there was no connection with people physically or mentally. You know, we're all kind of in a, that solitude state. So starting jujitsu really helped me work through a lot of the anger issues I was having. Like I, the job that I was working at the time when I started was really soul crushing and it made me a very angry person. And, you know, I had just moved out. I was by myself. Um, it was just a lot of things that created just a bad turmoil in me. And then when I found jujitsu, I had found the outlet to allow me to express those feelings while being physical. Um, and I, and that's what I tell people now is, you know, being four years in, if I take time off and I get kind of pissy or upset or I'm a little bit depressed, I'm like, I gotta get back to the gym, which is why you'll see me in there six to seven days of the week. You know, I don't want to take time off because it makes me feel good to be there mentally and physically. Um, and that's why I tell other people, if you're going through something, you need to start jujitsu. You don't need to go compete. You don't need to be a world master because that will never be me. That's not the reason I'm in jujitsu. The reason I am in love with the sport is because it heals parts of my soul that therapy never could, <laughs> you know? Um, and it brings me a sense of peace knowing that I am trusting people with every part of me. Like I am figuring out how to mentally work through these things while also physically figuring out how to work through a submission or, you know, handle my partner who's three times as big as me or teach my kids patience and understanding and a little bit of kindness and care. It's it's such a emotional thing for me that jujitsu is. And I think that's why I stick with it. Um, you know, and I like, I mean, I could circle back to it, but embracing the suck is a huge thing about jujitsu. I don't want to be perfect at something right off the bat because then I don't feel like I've been challenged. I don't feel like I've really earned anything. Um, and jujitsu is that sport where you're going to suck forever. You know, you might get good at something, but you're going to suck forever. And I think that's a good challenge for a lot of people if they're willing to put that time and effort into it. And I think that's the other reason I like jujitsu is because everyone that does jujitsu has the same thought process of we're going to suck at this together. So, I think there's a lot to be said about becoming a beginner again. Mm-hmm. And depending on what age you get into jiu-jitsu at, you've probably already become very skilled at certain things, probably various things, and you've probably at least mastered one thing, right? Whether you are a prior, you know, soccer player or chess player or, you know, master of your craft at work or whatever that may be. Now you're coming into something after riding that high of being the top dog in the room. And now you're in this new realm and you're a beginner again. And I think it's, I think there's a major dichotomy there when it comes to the people that get themselves into that position 
Some people hate it. They don't want to be that beginner. Mm -hmm. And some people just love it because they're like, yes, I remember now what it's like to be hungry for knowledge. I remember what it's like to deep dive into something that I'm curious and intrigued with. And I think that's a feeling that inevitably goes away when you start getting really good at something and you're putting so much time in. Again, those prior skills that you had, whether it be work or hobbies or anything like that, you know, you get to the point to where you don't need to deep dive anymore because you might be at a very elite state. But again, jujitsu is like a second chance at that. And it's not something that you can just race over the finish line in a few months or a few years, regardless of how much time and effort you put into it. And that's a very cool feeling. I think about that with, with climbing too. And, you know, every other, you know, of my endeavors, these are very hard physical and mental endeavors that you have to put both aspects of your thinking into and your efforts. And so it's, it's very, uh, it's very captivating to say the least. Oh, yeah. It's very, very captivating. I think about what, Sam Harris says about jujitsu about it's very akin to drowning. You know, it's like you were you just fell under the water and you're coming up and another wave comes and crashes you down and you're flailing and you're trying so hard to stay above the water and you just can't. And then that more skilled practitioner looks at that person flailing in the water who's drowning and they're going to die. And they're like, man, why? I don't understand. If they would just relax and do less effort and be more calm, they would float no problem. They would be able to tread water, but they can't. They're in this state of panic. you know. And overcoming that panic is very alluring to, I think, a certain demographic. You know, because when else do you ever get to do it? Mm-hmm. When else in in this century, in the lives that we live here, when else do you get to be put in this extreme situation where someone is choking you out or, you know, they've, they've got your arm or your leg or, you know, whatever, and they could choke you out or they could break your leg, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And then you reset and you get to do it all over again. And you live that that rush, that thrill. And you want to get better because if that situation were real, you would want to survive. It's, again, hard to, hard to explain. People probably, people probably think um, that we're both crazy. I mean, I you think know? you kind of have to be crazy for jujitsu, though. You know, I... In the same aspect of like you you have to really think about the fact that when we come through those doors every time we train you are actively putting your body and your mind through fight-or-flight mode you know and you have to train your brain to slow down and accept that yes am I in a way fighting for my life right now absolutely but my partner is not here to kill me I am NOT going to die in this situation but I do need to figure it out. Otherwise, you know, I'm gonna be choked out or pass out or, you know, tear something, pull something. It's gonna happen. Um, 
But to mentally check yourself like that is a little bit crazy. And I don't think a lot of people want to do that. You know, if people are going to go do a sport after work or, you know, after being a stay-at-home mom for however long and, you know, your spouse comes to step in so you can go do something, if you're going to go do a sport, you're probably going to do something that you feel good at, you feel like a professional doing, and something that doesn't exhaust you, Um, especially if you've had a long day. The last thing you want to do is do more mental work, but then here you have these outlying people in life that say, you know what? Give me more of a challenge. I haven't had enough BS today to work through. Give me some more, but also make me do it physically. Um, you kind of have to be a little crazy to be into jujitsu, but I think that's why I love jujitsu people is because they accept the fact that they are doing something a little bit dramatic, a little bit sketchy at times, a little bit dangerous, um, but they're also doing a lot to better their mental health. You know, they're doing a lot to think through processes and learn how to defend themselves while sharing that safe space with their partner of like, well, I'm respecting the fact that I'm not about to rip your arm off. Um, but in the long term, like scheme of things, you're training for the day that if need be, you will survive that battle. You will get out of there. Or at the very least, you know, like all of our teammates that are first responders or police officers, like we have paramedics that have been attacked that now know how to handle crazy situations and how to hold somebody down with any type of jujitsu move that they've understand and, you know, have learned. And they can use that to defend themselves without harming their patient. And same with our first responders that are cops. They're learning how to do the best to serve their community and protect themselves, but also protect whoever they're working with if they become combative. Um, sorry, I get long-winded. I just, I love jujitsu too much. You have to be... You have to be acceptive of the fact that it's a very weird sport. Um, it's going to put you through physical and mental strain. But at the end of the day, it is preparing you for the worst of the worst. I think the concept of going out there and doing hard things on a daily basis has been a little bit lost with recent generations. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you were saying with mental health when it comes to i think maximizing and optimizing your mental health doing hard things for many people is the ultimate solution it's the ultimate solution it's you're going out there you're pushing yourself as you said mentally physically and everything just everything tastes a lot better when you had to sweat for it mm-hmm. you know everything is that much more rewarding and it's that much more worthwhile, things that do not come easy to us. And I think that's such a, again, a foreign concept. But the people that gravitate towards jujitsu, I think they generally share that as a common denominator with doing hard things, whether it's hard work at their jobs. You know, you don't see a lot of jujitsu practitioners that are lazy in life. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of that. You know, you see people that know how to push through some grind. And, I mean, I can't think of many more useful skill sets in life, you know. And when you can really bring those things together, when you know, if you can work through and think through a jujitsu fight, let's say, you can pretty much work through anything, you know. 
there's plenty of people that are great thinkers when the seas are very calm and everything's nice and they have time to think. But you put a little bit of pressure on them. You put a little bit of, there's a ticking time clock and there's stress and they just shatter. You know, but not the case for a jujitsu practitioner. Desir is uh, trying to protect the house from <laughs> something. Probably ninjas. Oh, definitely ninjas. Yeah. Probably ninjas. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> oh, that's it. Alright, bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so what I wanted to get into a little bit is so you are a um, you are the coach for the kids currently um, what have you noticed is your what is your coaching style mm. I mean I'm, I'm sure you've had coaches in the past and what are some what are some things that you have taken what are some lessons learned that you're currently applying to your own coaching philosophy yeah um, oh my god I'm so excited to talk about this I could talk about kids class forever um, just cause I love him so much. And I think that's really got me to where I am today. It's just being a coach. Um, I don't think I have like one specific style when it comes to kids class, because if I learned anything from my mom, my mom's a elementary school teacher, every child learns differently. Um, and you cannot coach them all the same because they will not understand it the same. You know, I have my older boys who love to roughhouse and you know they think that because they are the biggest fish in that pond that they are amazing you know and so you kind of have to be a little bit tough with them and like one of my favorite things is watching how coach Zach actually when he was helping with kids class he would approach them and be like you know what do you do you really think that you can do this do you want to roll with an adult do you want to come to adults class do you want to roll with me and it's a very humbling experience of being like, you might be a big fish in this pond, but you're a small fish in mine. Um, you know, and so it kind of creates this like respect factor with the older kids that think that they can, you know, just strong arm things because they are some of the bigger kids in class. Um, you know, you have your kids that are a little bit inherently lazy or a little bit more relaxed. And so you tend to be a little bit more strong arm with them of being like, oh, you did that kind of poorly. It's a little bit of embarrassment, but also, like, I'm catching what you're doing. You can't cheat jujitsu because ultimately what you're doing is cheating yourself and your partner, you know, so you can be hard on those kids, and they receive it well. Um, but then you have your kids that really just come to class because they need to be seen, and they need to be heard, and they need that love factor, you know, and so you kind of take a step back from jujitsu and you approach it as a friend, as a big sister. I mean, there's there's moments where kids will do everything right and they cry. And you don't know why they're crying, but you want to take care of the situation. You want to make sure that they feel understood. And that's what I love about being a kids coach is you get to be so versatile on how you approach every single kid and how you teach them about jujitsu that it really just, I think it makes me more of a well-rounded person because I'm diving so deep into their separate personalities that it's teaching me more about myself. Like, I can be compassionate in the same room where I am being a little bit of a hard ass, you know. I can get after my kids to do their warm-ups correctly, 
while also getting after my kids and being like, hey, you know what? It's okay to feel these feelings. It's okay. Like, these are big feelings that you're feeling, um, which I absolutely love. I think I'm a little bit more aggressive on perfection compared to Will. Will is just the epitome of, like, what a great coach is. And so when he's not there, I kind of panic sometimes because I'm like, oh, I'm not doing enough like Will is. Um, he knows how to hold the kids' presence. Like, he knows how to keep their focus while also just being a very calm person. Um, but, I mean, in the same aspect, he'll be super soft and peaceful, but also give you the most stoic look of being like, do you really think that you're doing that move correctly? considering that we just went over it. And it's very intimidating, even from an adult aspect. I'm just like, I would not feel good if Will was talking to me that way. And you're nine. <laughs> you know, so I I don't know. I just, I think that my coaching when it comes to kids' class is super versatile, but also very much inspired by who Will is, as well as Zach. Um, just the way that they hold themselves with the kids. I I try and enact that, you know, and they're very versatile, just like me. You have to approach every single kid differently in order for them to embrace jujitsu. So, yeah, I think that's a very, such an important like life skill and lesson to learn is you really get to, you really up the emotional intelligence when you're working with people. And I think especially coaching kids you know, would be one of the prime examples of being able to understand. Because I think when you're, when you're coaching and somebody, somebody doesn't do something correctly, or they, you know, mess up this technique or this or that, you know, it's not that they don't care about it. It's not that they're not necessarily paying attention. Mm -hmm. But you learn how to connect. You learn how to connect. And I think what you were saying, being able to Understand that not everyone learns the same and to immediately recognize that and to adapt to that is instrumental, you know, in really being able to, you know, pass on that knowledge and everything. I know that you also, you were also saying that you are kind of forming kind of a, kind of a a women's league almost. Yeah. Kind of bringing, (laughs) you know, bringing uh, women to the sport. And I, th- I found that very interesting because for some reason, you know, whatever it may be, I think jujitsu has been, you know, kind of set up to be kind of a male-dominated sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, but 100%. in reality, you know, you, I look at you and I look at the other females at the gym and that's definitely not the case in terms of capability, mm-hmm. obviously. But I guess you're kind of bridging the gap yeah. to make that a little bit more accessible. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at jujitsu history, um, technically women were not allowed to learn jujitsu for a long time. Um, you know, I think it really is still a male-dominated sport. And, and that's not to say that there's not a ton of amazing BJJ women out there. Um, my old gym has a lot of girls in, in their classes now, which is amazing. Cause I was like one of four when I trained there and you know, you've been at black tie most nights, nine times out of 10, I'm the only girl, you know? And so it does kind of get a little 
lonely being the only female and I'm not huge in being like, oh, well, I definitely need girls on my team. But having that female relationship with other teammates is great because you don't get that from a male to female perspective. Like you and I can be best partners for years and years and years. You're not going to understand where I'm coming from because we're built differently. You have a different size. You have a different strength. Jazeera just gave us a gift. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so it's it's exciting because now I have the opportunity where I've created this like women's BJJ group um, for all Colorado jujitsu girls and women to come together on a quarterly basis and have an open mat and meet each other. Um, the first one that I have coming up is in January. And I have 67 girls just in my one group chat. I have about eight more that are solely text message. And then I guess there's a ton more signing up on Facebook, which I don't even have hands on. And it's an exciting experience because I think all of these women are coming from the same mindset of like, I'm a badass. I'm rolling with a bunch of men doing a man-dominated sport, but I need my girls. You know, I want to have these connections with these women. And I think it's awesome because I also think in a way it protects us in the fact of we're going to have each other's backs now. You know, we're going to be reaching out for competitions and open mats and being like, hey, I saw that your technique was lacking in this. This is something that I struggled with. I'd be happy to help you. You know, or hey, this person's a brown belt and she's been training for so and so long. Like you should get in contact with her. She knows how to do Baron Bolos really, really well. Like she's somebody that would work for your game. I think it's giving all these women the opportunity to have connection and also kind of, I don't know, just bond really. Because I think it's a very lonely sport for a female. I'm not lonely because I have black tie and black tie has that family aspect where, you know, I go in and most nights I've got 15 brothers just hanging out with me. You know, I'm not lonely whatsoever. But it does get lonely in the aspect of like, well, if the other girls aren't there, I have no one to joke about silly girl things with. I have no one that understands what it's like to roll as a small female. Um, So to build that group is exciting because it gives us that opportunity to talk about those issues, to talk about the struggles that we have, to talk about like what we see changing in the jiu-jitsu community as women. So I'm excited to see it grow. I hope that it goes in a positive direction. Um, I think a lot of people see it as like a very like feminist movement thing. That's not it. We're not trying to take over jujitsu. It's not, you know, a women's sport. It's a sport for everyone. Um, yeah, I'm super hyped about it. I keep counting down the days. I can't wait to see all those women in one room. Oh my god, the power. I'm just so hyped. <laughs> now, when you make these connections with these with these women, do they usually articulate very similar barriers? Whether, you know, whether it be mental barriers that they kind of felt getting into the sport and that's why they came to you. Is there a common denominator there? Um, a little bit. Honestly, it, but it still varies though. I think women get into the sport for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I mean, if you look at my personal story, I just started doing it so my boyfriend at the time could stop using jujitsu moves on me. I just want to learn how to defend. And then I kept doing it because I liked it. Other women join it because, you know, they want to learn self-defense or they want to have a mental health aspect. They want to have an outlet outside of work or family or whatever it is. Um, honestly, the biggest 
like common factor that we all share is <laughs> sounds really sad but the amount of disbelief that other people have in women is we get a lot of discredit because we are girls I mean you look at it in, in the gym you know I'm the smallest person there all the time and I think a lot of people especially new people tend to discredit me and it's the approach that a lot of women get be like oh well, I'll take it easy on you be like oh cool I get a rest round or you know it's a very like discriminating factor of being like oh well I'm gonna go r- roll with the hot girl because she's one of the two in the gym you know I think that's the biggest issue that we all share I mean I could message the group chat right now and be like guys what's the worst thing that happens to you in BJJ that we could all relate on or like what's the best thing and I think the best thing would be the relationships that we build, but the worst thing would be the disrespect. And I think that's why women are so strong in the sport is because we can kind of be kicked down into the dirt a lot and be discredited and be disrespected and brushed off by a lot of people. And they become these killers, these monsters within the mat, you know, and they're sharks. Like there's, there's so many amazing women black belts that I've met that I'm just like, oh my God, I never want to piss you off because I'm afraid you actually might kill me. Um, that's a good, that's a good little uh, fear to have oh, or yeah. to be able to actually back up. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool to see the women that, you know, their bite matches their bark and they're pretty silent. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not going to brag about their abilities, which I think is really cool. I've met a lot of amazing upper belt women that are so humble, so peaceful. You would never know outside of the gym how strong they are and how skilled they are. And they're intimidating. And I love it. And that's I think that's another reason why I want to make sure that we have this women's group is because that's inspiring the women of tomorrow. That's inspiring the white belts that just started that don't know where to look, you know. They're going to have this group of women that can show them the way and, you know, help them brush the dirt off their shoulders and be like, you know what, people are going to say you can't do it. People are going to say you're not strong. They're going to say that you're not smart enough. Don't listen because you're going to prove them wrong. So what's, speaking of some of the aspects and the benefits of the sport, what have you noticed from jujitsu has translated to the rest of your life? Mm. Do you feel like the other aspects of your life are just better because you are now doing jujitsu on a regular basis? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, the biggest thing is patience. Um, you can't, you can't be impatient and do jujitsu. I think, I don't think it, translates well in that sport um kind of like going back to when I first started I had a lot of anger issues I was a very impatient person I was very quick to anger and jujitsu taught me how to take things at a reasonable pace you know you're not gonna jump into jujitsu and be really good at it you're not gonna jump into a role of somebody and immediately submit them um execution is key when it comes to that you know and I think that's really kind of reset my thought process on a lot of my life of being like okay well I'm not going to write down my goals for the year and get them done in six months like this is something that I need to dedicate my time to I need to have a plan just like you do with jujitsu you walk in for a plan that day you know for your open for your rules like you want to do x y and z like 
I'm applying that to life as well. And I think it's helped me in the past four years recognize that I need to stay focused and I need to have a direction. Otherwise, it's not going to make sense. Life is insane and crazy and throws curveballs, but so does jujitsu. You know, when you're rolling with somebody, you think you have them and then surprise, they escape or, you know, they fight for their lives. And it really does become a battle head to head. And we do that in life all the time where, you know, we get knocked on our feet, off of our feet and we don't know what to do. And I think jujitsu has helped me and a lot of other people kind of learn how to reset and be like, you know what? Plan A didn't work, but I still have plan B and C. So let's figure out how to do plan B. And if that doesn't work, we'll do plan C. And if that doesn't work, then I guess I'll sit down and write plan D. You know? Um, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. The Kind of like what we were mentioning before, just some people crumble under stress. Mm-hmm. And if something doesn't work, that's it. Their mind is blown and their day is ruined. And in jiu-jitsu, we encounter that hundreds of times a day. You want to go for this, and it didn't work. And like you said, we have to move to plan B. And now that didn't work, and that's okay. That's almost to be expected, Mm -hmm. you know. And again, the ability to just adapt and be able to, without hesitation, move on. And be able to, hey, I'm going to move on to the next step is just an essential life skill. And it translates into everything, mm-hmm. everything we do. And, you know, I think about, I think about some people and I think about some people in like the Starbucks line and how they're just, they're just having, you know, they're over there and they're trying to pick up their caramel macchiato frappuccino <laughs> and, you know, at some point, the barista says, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but we're out of this specific syrup. And, you know, they just crumble. It's the end of the world. You know, and I think I think about those reactions a lot. And I wonder, man, if this person, number one, knew how to adapt. But number two, if they had something more worthwhile, something, something that meant more to them than this you know, caramel frappuccino. I wonder how they would react in this situation, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, you don't really see jujitsu people cracking under that, those sort of conditions out in the world. You You know, you, you know, you see them, you know, someone accidentally catches a knee to the face, you know, or, you know, it is what it is. You just, you know, you just wipe the sweat off and Hey, Cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. And you keep on rolling, literally. Literally. You just keep on rolling. (laughs) You know, and I think that's, again, it's something that I can't put enough emphasis on. You know, how it brings you together and you start getting tired. And when you start getting tired in anything, you know, I think about this in climbing and jujitsu too. When the stress is on, you're starting to hyperventilate a little bit. You have the opportunity to breathe and to breathe in, breathe out, and recollect yourself. You have the ability to reset and then re-engage, and you just keep on rolling. And that's what, as you said, that's what life is. Mm -hmm. You just keep on rolling. 
what advice would you have for people that are kind of on the line about, oh man, I don't know, you know, that seems kind of intimidating, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get hurt or I feel intimidated going in. I'm going to be the new person. I don't know what this sport is. What, what advice would you give to kind of get those people to take a little walk on the wild side and try something new? Yeah, you know, I have to, honestly, I have to quote this company that I absolutely adore. They're called the uh, Fuel Hunt. And they are always posting motivational stuff. But my favorite that they've posted lately is there is no reward without risk. And I think a lot of people walk through their lives recently, especially with the way that the world is going. People don't want to risk anything. We want to feel safe, especially with a world that's very chaotic and very angry and very uh, overwhelming at times. You know, you, you want to go home. You want to sit on the couch. You want to watch your TV. You want to go to bed. You want the safe and comfortable that's not a rewarding life that has no value at least to to me it doesn't that's not how I want to live and that's not how anybody should live if you're constantly comfortable you're not growing and if you are not risking the opportunity then you're not going to get any reward you know you're not going to feel satisfied I think that's why a lot of people that don't do jujitsu or even any sport like rock climbing you know you get some satisfaction there um when you don't risk it, you don't you don't feel like you've done anything with yourself. So to anyone that's like on the line of like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do jujitsu or I don't know if I want to go rock climbing. So what? So what if you try it and you don't like it? The same reason if like, so what if you don't like broccoli? Go try it, eat it. If you don't like it, move on, find another vegetable. <laughs> jujitsu is a benefit mentally, physically. Community-wise, you're going to find people that, you know, fit your your mental state and push you to be better, um, that teach you that risk is worth taking. You know, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Will and most of the black tie family, honestly, all of the black tie family, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I personally, a year ago, was not in a good aspect of life at all. And I was very comfortable and I felt very safe, but I also felt very sad and I felt very empty and I knew that something needed to be changed. Um, And I was only really training like one or two times a week. And I remember talking to Will one day and just being like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like I'm not okay with what's happening, but I don't know what to do. Like I'm scared. And Will just so kindly and like calmly just approached me with the situation and was like, you know what? I guess you just kind of have to fix it. But you're only going to fix it if you take that first step. And the only way is through. And ever since then, I've kind of lived with that mentality of like, you know what? Like, it doesn't matter how scared I am. The problem's still going to be there. So I can either go fix it and deal with it or... I can be stuck with it forever and be unhappy. So if you're if you're on the fence with doing jujitsu or rock climbing or whatever, take the first step. Be scared, but go. You know, if you have a friend that's in a sport that you want to try, go with them. Try a different gym. Try a couple gyms. Damn, I don't know. Try ten. Find a family that you know connects with you, connects on like what you want to do in jujitsu. 
and stick with it. You know, this is not, it's not a sport for the easy-minded. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be frustrated because it's not an easy sport to do. Show up anyway, you know. Be the risk taker that you always wanted to be. Because at the end of the day, when you're old and you're sitting down with your grandkids or your nieces or nephews or writing a memoir about your life, wouldn't you rather like to tell a story about how you went into this gym one day and found an amazing group of people and did all these amazing things and got physically and mentally fit? Or would you like to write a chapter on how you watched Doctor Who seven times over? It really, it really boils down to that, you know? Where do you want your value of life to be? And for me, I'm not going to spend my life being comfortable. I'm willing to take those risks in order to benefit myself. So yeah, take the first step. Go. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a, a lesson that can't be emphasized enough is to take that step and be okay with getting uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and get comfortable getting uncomfortable and then desire being uncomfortable, you know. Another short 10-second break so I can let my dog in. All right, welcome back to the ASMR version of the Denver Crux. We'll be continuing the podcast in ASMR fashion and see how many listeners we have at the end of it. They're all going to leave. What... What tips, and you know, this is, I think I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of speaking for maybe the majority of BJJ practitioners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what tips would you have for those white belts that are currently out there for longevity of the sport, for mm-hmm. being able to, obviously this is such a lifetime journey. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for staying in it, staying motivated, working through issues, working through injuries, and being able to remain for the long haul? Yeah, I mean, I have a few. Um, Some of the easiest ones first. If you get into jujitsu and you make a couple of friends, um, be consistent with those people. Be touching base. It's really easy to slack on your self-promises if you don't have accountability. So, you know, if you know that John is going to be there three times a week and you roll better when you're with John, make a pact and train when John trains. You know, have an accountability partner at your gym to see through that you both show up. Because um, training is really important and I think a lot of times a lot of why people quit is because they don't have a connection you know they can be decent at jujitsu but they don't really feel like they belong and so they stop um so if you can build a connection with someone even if it's just one person having that accountability factor being like hey man i haven't seen you in a week i hope you're doing okay if you can come in that'd be awesome miss training with you or you know out like reaching out like i do that with you where i'm like hey man like It'd be cool if we could roll together. I haven't seen you or like, I'm just kind of feeling in a funk. So if we could roll together, that'd be awesome. Is that why you're always texting me and bothering me when I'm trying to catch up on my Seinfeld? Yeah, absolutely, Hazel. Jiu-Jitsu comes before Seinfeld, okay? 
There's always Netflix. There's not always jujitsu class. <laughs> True. Um, you know, some but but some more in depth ones is you know just staying consistent. If you can only come to class one or two times a week, own that shit. Like show up. You know, come dig deep. Come in early if you can. Stay late if you can. Ask the questions. Train with an upper belt if you you know if you have one. Um, some gyms are specific where they only allow white belts to roll with white belts, but that's okay. You're gonna figure it out. But be hungry for that knowledge. Be hungry to connect with those people that have that experience, but also be hungry to go. You know, even on the bad days where the last thing you want to do is get beat up, be like, mm, my day's not done yet. I have to go to jujitsu. I have to go to the gym. I need to get the, the crap beaten out of me to feel complete for the day. That matters. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I have a lot of tips or tricks that it really just, it's based on the person the other one, honestly, that I think for white belts to kind of stay connected with the sport is understand that jujitsu is like a roller coaster. You're going to have your progression where it feels like you're ticking up and it's a nice, slow, steady pace and you feel like you're on top of the world. You can see everything. You feel like you've got it. And then you're just going to crash. You're going to come down on the other side and it's going to be the quickest fall ever because you're like, oh, I thought I was getting really good. That's part of jujitsu, is you think you're doing great, you get a little bit smarter, you find a new tool, and then you go up against a blue belt that beats you up, and you're like, oh, what, what the heck? Or you go up against a purple belt that just makes you feel like a day one person. You know, I have that every day at the gym, where I roll with people that know better than me and know more than me, and it makes me feel like I kind of hit a lull, and there will be these moments where you're just kind of coasting and ticking up again and then finally you feel like you're back at it and you just hit another divot and it's just it's a very up and down process of a sport um if you can embrace that and understand the fact that it's not going to forever be just an uptick of learning you're gonna have your moments where you feel like you're not growing those are the (laughs) those are the moments that you need to dive in deep Ask questions, do online studying, do a private lesson, cross train with a different gym. Do anything you can to come out of that slump, to come out of that lull. Because when people hit that lull, they're like, oh, well, that's it for me. I did the best that I could. It's not going to get any better. I'm going to be stuck in this position forever. I mean, I was personally there. You know, my... The in-between stages, because like our gym gives stripes, um, some gyms don't. Um, give stripes on belts, belts, but ours does. My first stripe to my second stripe was around eight months. And I felt like I didn't do anything right. I was exhausted. I was showing up so many times, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, but I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. And then finally I got my second stripe. And then I got a little bit of an uptick. And I was like, all right, like I know some things now. I've got my tool bag. Like I'm going to be fine. No, you're never fine. You're just gonna, you're constantly going through the motion. Um, but if you're just starting out or if you're if you're still a white belt and even if you're a blue belt or a purple, you know, you're going to have these moments where you don't feel like you're growing, but those are the moments you need to come and you need to train and you need to connect. Have your accountability partner, you know, have a game plan, approach your coach and be like, "Hey, I'm really struggling with connecting on how to get an arm bar from this position." Can we go over that after class? I promise you, your coach will say yes. Your professor will say yes. Those are so many, like, those are honestly 
the three biggest things to me. Because without those three, it's easy to fall between the cracks. It's easy to fall back on like, ah, oh, well, I'll get to jujitsu tomorrow. Or, ah, oh, well, it wasn't like the best thing ever. I didn't really feel like I learned a lot. If you're not seeking out the knowledge, are you ever going to learn a lot? You know? So what is next for Emma Wheeler and Black Tie Jiu-Jitsu? <laughs> um, class tomorrow. <laughs> Kids class, for sure. <laughs> no. I mean, long term, I really, I really just want to dive deep into being a better coach. I... I made the joke to my mom, you know, my mom always thought I'd be a good teacher. And I always joked with her, I was like, I will never be a teacher. And then uh, one day Will asked me to help with kids class and here I am teaching children jujitsu. Um, so I really ate my words with that. I, I think for me, I'll never be a huge competitor. It's just not in me. I have such extreme social anxiety that I can't really contain it during a role, um, especially with people I don't know in that like competition setting. That'll never be me. Um, but if I have the ability to be a better coach and interact and be part of so many kids' lives, then I'm set. Like, that's the best gift I could ever be given is impacting these kids and, you know, being a good role model for them. You know, some of them don't have older siblings or they don't have moms or they don't have dads, you know, or they don't feel like they have a, a safe space to be themselves. And when they come through the doors... They know I'm going to joke off with them. They know that I'm going to give them the first hug of the day. You know, I am going to be that person for them. So, I mean, my biggest goal is to be the best coach possible. And I really want to go down to Florida where our original gym is from. Um, A lot of people don't know. Black Tie Colorado is not the first Black Tie. Black Tie started in Cape Coral, Florida, um, right off the coast there. So um, in Cape Coral, we have some amazing coaches down there that do kids class. And we have uh, Corey, who's our head black belt. And I really want to learn from them how they run their classes. I think Will does an absolutely amazing job. I want to see where it came from. You know, I want to see where it started and get to know them and like kind of learn their skills and maybe help down there in Florida. Um, and eventually I want to do like traveling, like kids open mats. I don't know. Like I have so many ideas. All I know is like my heart belongs with the kids. My heart belongs in kids jujitsu. So I really want to see that blossom. And then in the back pocket is the women's group. You know, we're, we're all adults. We're all super busy. I don't think the, the women's club needs a ton of attention like the kids do. Um, but I really want to see that grow. I want it to be huge because I know that we're not reaching all the gyms right now. There's a ton of gyms. Just between Denver and Greeley, there's 130 jujitsu gyms. There's got to be at least one girl in each, you know? And if I can connect with all those girls, that's 130 girls. So it'll be really cool to see how that grows and blossoms and turns into a quarterly thing. And I don't know. If I, if I leave this life with anything, I want it to be that I gave jujitsu everything. You know, I gave it to my kids. I gave it to my women's group. I gave it to my team, but I also gave it to myself. I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> if if um, other aspiring jujitsu practitioners or perhaps women for this women's group that you're assembling 
want to reach out, get in contact, you know, maybe try out some jujitsu over at Black Tie or ask some questions, what is the best best way to get a hold? Yeah, um, so, I mean, for the women's team or the women's club, um, my Instagram is the easiest. Um, I'm always on that. Oh, my God, I feel a hiccup coming. That's so painful. Um, it's Emma Black Tie BJJ 98 super simple, super easy to find me. Um, even says in my bio that I'm a kid's coach. So, you know, it's me. Um, if you want to shoot me a message, that's the easiest way. I'm always checking those because I have a ton of women right now reaching out to be added into that group. Um, so I'm happy to add you, or even if you just have questions about what jujitsu is like, if you haven't even started yet, I will be your number one fan. I will go to whatever gym you want to go to for your first class and I will meet you there. I don't care what I need to do. If you want to get into it, I'm there for you. Um, if you want to get into the women's group, I'm there for you. If you are a mom and you don't want to do jujitsu but your kids want to, hit me up. Um, if you are, you know, just wanting to come train, if you want to be part of Black Tie or see what we're about, I mean, we're on the internet. It takes one easy Google. Black Tie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're right there. Um, my coach bio needs to be updated because it still says I'm a white belt. But... but <laughs> is online and you can read more about um all of our amazing coaches what black tie is really about um you know i don't think uh professor will really sells himself uh well on that website because it needs to be at least three pages long because what that man does for every student at black tie is just absolutely exceptional it is it is absolutely absolutely phenomenal and he is he is the most modest man I know at the same time. Oh yeah, he's you know? he's a gift and he's such a he's such an interesting person and and you can agree to this cuz you've seen him in person. He's this giant tattooed punk rock man. You know, if you like crossed him on the street, you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to mess with that guy. That guy could take my lunch money." But as soon as you walk through the doors, you're like his best friend. Mhm. It's like a giant teddy bear and you just, you feel so loved. And I think that's like really what captivates me is like, ah, damn, like at least I know that Will has my back. Like Will's going to make mm-hmm. me feel good today. Will's going to make me feel seen. Um, but yeah, if you want to be part of Black Tie, you just got to show up because you're already family. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> Roll jujitsu. Do hard things win the fight every single day and just continue to get after it. Mm -hmm. Emma, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the knowledge and just your presence and uh, you're really an excellent, excellent ambassador of not only black tie, but an ambassador of the sport. Thank you. And, um, you know, from from someone uh, coming in from the streets onto the mats. Uh, We appreciate that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it a lot. I'm glad that I could be part of your journey and be part of your team. So thank you for letting me talk on your podcast. I love it. Pleasure was mine. So with that said, it's time uh, time to shut it down, get a little bit of rest because there is jujitsu tomorrow. There is jujitsu tomorrow. I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> and then, well, yeah. And then I'm going to have to take an ice bath, recover, and just 
keep on doing it again mm-hmm. and repeat the process. Embrace the suck, Hazel. That's it. All right. Everyone, thank you for tuning in and listening and have a good night. I'd like to take a second to thank Emma, Coach Will, and the entire team over at Black Tie Jiu-Jitsu Centennial. It's been quite a journey so far and we're just getting started. So thank you again. I'd like to end today's podcast on a a quote that really spoke to me from Miyamoto Musashi. He had come to see the way of the sword in a new light. A year or two earlier, he had wanted only to conquer all rivals. But now, the idea that the sword existed for the purpose of giving him power over other people was unsatisfying. To cut people down, to triumph over them, to display the limits of one's strength seemed increasingly vain. He wanted to conquer himself, to make life itself submit to him, to cause people to live rather than die. The way of the sword should not be used merely for his own perfection. It should be a source of strength for governing people and leading them to peace and happiness.